1: To walk in disobedience, whether you're a Christian or not. Oh, there'll be a price to pay for that. It's called reaping what you sow.
2: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher, Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are starting a brand new study titled, When Our Soul Longs for More. Let's jump right in. You
1: know, in this day and age, our soul longs for so many things. But what does that even mean? Well, first we must define our soul. Our soul is our innermost self. It's our true being. Many times it's what people see on the outside for we can appear one thing on the outside and something else on the inside. So really our soul is not what it appears on the outside because we can appear to be so... Different on the outside from who we really are on the inside. Some can have a very confident exterior, yet they can be very insecure internally. Some might appear to be strong outwardly, yet be filled with so much fear inwardly. Some can look beautiful externally, yet they could feel ugly internally. Yes, what we may appear on the outside can sometimes be the complete polar opposite of who we really are on the inside. Yet our soul cannot deny who the real inner man or inner woman truly is. For our soul is the true inner being of who we really are. That's why some try to hide their true self to those around them. Some people have even said you wouldn't like the real me maybe that's because we know who we really are deep down we know our deepest thoughts we know the depravity of our own sin nature that's why we disguise our inner thoughts to many like when a friend asks us how do you like my new outfit and we say wow it looks great but our soul might be saying it looks like you got dressed in the closet with the lights turned out. I wouldn't wear that to a dog show. Or when a person pulls up in a brand new car and they bought the fluorescent green color. And they're thinking, what do you think? And you're thinking, no, what were you thinking? As our soul in our innermost self is always thinking like, oh my goodness, yes. It's not always pretty what our inner soul is thinking. It's not always nice, but it's always pointing to who we really are. And God is not fooled by our exterior moves. For he sees us as we really are. He sees right through us, you could say. He sees this as a clear transparency. This is why God said in Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, The heart of man is deceitful and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then God goes on to say, Well, I can understand it because I know the heart. I search the heart. And I give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Yes, God sees the innermost self. He has seen the depth of our soul and nothing is hidden from the all seeing eyes of the creator God. Yet in the midst of us knowing that we cannot hide from God, you know, who we really are to the one who made us. Obviously, that knowledge only makes us understand that we cannot hide our true self from God. Even the things that we've done in secret, nothing is hidden to him. Yes, normally that's not good information because it's like, oh my goodness, you mean God knows who I really am? God knows who I am truly, not what I appear to be. But in the midst of God knowing it all, at least now we should be honest with God. Don't try to make games with God because he sees right through us. For God has already seen it all. And though some will still hide their true self to others, We don't have to hide to God anymore because he already knows who we really are. That's why Jesus died for our sin. And because of that, we no longer have to stay in the depth of our own depravity and sin. We don't have to stay that person who we know that we really are. We don't have to stay that person. We can come out from the world. We can come out of the bondage of our own failures and from our own frustrations and defeats. We can come out from our own botched up attempts of finding success and happiness on our own. Yes, it's true. We can be forgiven. Each one of us can be set free from ourselves, from the things that have brought guilt and shame upon us. We no longer have to settle for what we think will bring us some kind of joy and delight in this world. For having all of those things, haven't they let us down? Seeking all the things that we think will bring us happiness? They've all let us down. We thought if we could just make a little bit more money, we'd be happy. But then we make a little bit more money and we pray, well, if you can only make a little bit more money. That only really leads to that. Yes, from relationships to all the cares of life. Once we acquire what we long for, there's always something else that we long for that's why we eventually realize that our soul our innermost being is just simply not satisfiable with anything that this world has to offer but when we come into this personal relationship with christ not some religious relationship but a personal relationship with christ we come to him just as we are just who we really are on the inside and everything at that point can change for us. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yes, Jesus said, for all of those who are weary. Jesus said to all of those who are excessively burdened, he says, come to me. Notice God never said, come to some well-crafted form of religion. God never said, follow a bunch of well-thought-out religious creeds so that you could somehow prove to yourself and those around you that you're really a good person that's deserving of heaven. No, Jesus never said that. Jesus said, you come to me just as you are. And you develop a relationship with me. You come to me and walk with me. You come to me and talk with me and start longing after me. And when we do, that's when we can taste of God's grace his unmerited favor. We can embrace it. That's when we can realize that God's not just going to give us what we deserve because we deserve judgment. But instead, God pours his mercy on us and his His favor upon us. And that's what moves us to want to know him deeper. It's because We recognize his love for us. Like if God can know me as I really am, if he knows exactly who I am deep down and yet he still loves me and he's willing to work in my life, the least I could do is I could serve him. The least I could do is to worship him fully. The least I could do is give him my heart fully to him. Yes, God never desired for us to follow some lifeless, dead religion that's full of a bunch of rituals, but rather to seek after and to know him personally. And that's what we see by so many men in the book of Psalms. We see those that sought after God with with silenced hearts and hushed mouths Yet we also see hearts of flame and mouths crying out with joy in the Psalms. We see eyes that are filled with tears and feet that are filled with dancing and happiness. For Psalms hits every aspect of the human heart and the human soul. From the mountain high mountaintop uh, times of rejoicing that we have to the lowest pits of despair that we can fall into. We see the greatest men of the Bible at their best and we see the greatest men of the Bible at their worst. We see every aspect of the soul of man on total display. We see love and we see hate. We see joy and we see sorrow. We see hope and we see fear. We see peace and we see war. Yes, these are all part of our very lives. Every person, every man, every woman, rich or poor, gifted or not gifted, all have to deal with all of these emotions that we see spread out through the book of Psalms. Some seem to deal with more of these emotions than others, but some will inflict upon themselves their own misery from making simply bad choices. And we see that unfold in the Psalms. While others will just live in sin, willing to consistently and willfully walk in disobedience to God's word. Yes, if people choose to do that, to walk in disobedience, whether you're a Christian or not, oh, there'll be a price to pay for that. It's called reaping what you sow. Meaning, wrong will always come back upon us. Yet, whoever we are and whatever we have done, one thing remains the same. We could all come to Jesus and we can all repent at no matter what level of life we're in. And we can find forgiveness. We can be forgiveness. And we can start fresh again with the God who made us. That is, if we're willing to change the direction of, in the course of our life. But if we're not willing to change the direction of our lives, then one year from now, you might look at yourself and say, gee, nothing has changed except for this. I'm a little worse off than I was a year ago. But yet, if a person desires to change, then God will walk with you. He will strengthen you. He will guide you, and he will direct you on a whole new path, a a path that's set apart, a path that will have times of lessons to be learned in life from those who have walked before us. That's why in Romans 15, it says, these things that have been written in times past are written for our instruction so that we can grow from them and learn from the lessons of those that walk before us. I wonder if there's anyone here today that has purposely walked away from what God has called you to do. Meaning, you have personally felt the call of God at some aspect in your life, yet you just simply didn't do it. You ignored what you knew you were supposed to do. Is there anyone that's done that? well you're not the only one there's been some renegades in the bible and they're all through there one of them was a prophet named jonah and jonah was a man who ran from god you know realize it's hard work to rebel against the god that's called us to do something because we have to neglect and ignore on a daily basis our own conscience that's always reminding us that God wants us to walk with him. Well, you know the story of Jonah, right? He went down and he boarded a ship. After God told him to go one direction, he decided to go in the opposite direction, as far away from where God called him to go as he could get. But think about it. Jonah's plan was to set sail on a ship that was built by the hands of man. But the course that he was going to take was on an ocean that was created by the very hands of God. He was trying to flee from God's presence. Did Jonah think, like the way that we think at times, that he could somehow find a hiding place that God would not see him? Well, the book of Psalms erases that thought altogether when it says in Psalm 139, where can i go from thy spirit and where can i flee from your presence the psalmist said like look no matter where i go and he even uses as one example what if i was aboard a ship and go out to the the vastest part of the ocean could i escape you there no then he went on to say in psalm 139 but what if i was to go actually down to the pits of hell could i escape your presence there and the answer was no no You cannot escape from the presence of God no matter where you go. He will see you wherever you're at, no matter where you're hiding. The deepest cave, the highest mountaintop, God will always see us. We cannot flee from his presence. Well, as you know, God caused a great storm on the sea, so he would slow Jonah down from his rebellion, which caused the men on the boat who were all fearing for their lives to realize that the reason that they are caught in this most wicked storm that they've ever been in in their life, these seasoned sailors have been broken, and they realize that the only reason it's happening is because there's a man down in the hole of the ship that is sleeping like a baby, and he's on the run from God. So when they confront Jonah, he says, it's all my fault. I'm running from God. So those men had two words for Jonah. See, Ya." And they tossed him over the side of the ship. Could you imagine what that must have been like? But I wonder if there are storms in any of your lives here today. Because you, just like Jonah, could be running from God's will and his purpose in your life. And God is possibly trying to get your attention here today. Well, one thing for sure, this was a major wake-up call for the rebellious prophet Jonah. Again, could you imagine the feeling of being cast overboard in the middle of the ocean? And all of a sudden, the theme song for Jaws comes on. No, 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 no. Oh, no, that probably didn't happen. But anyway, you're sitting there in the ocean, and you're watching the ship go away. How long? How long can you dog paddle? Have you ever wondered that? How long could you stay afloat? How long could you just survive out in the middle of the ocean all by yourself? Jonah must have thought, my life cannot get any worse than this. But when you're rebelling against God, don't ever think to yourself that your life cannot get worse. Life can always get worse. Yes, things can always get worse. That's why we need to seek the Lord sooner than later. But Jonah didn't do that. And his day got a lot worse as he turned and looked a giant fish swallowed him whole was it a whale could have been was it maybe just some giant fish the lord made just to swallow him whatever something in the ocean that looked like a fish came up and swallowed him whole now at this point you know this is where the psalms comes to our rescue because you would think at that point that jonah would be crying out to the lord We're told in Psalm 107, and we're told four times. Do you think the Lord's trying to get a point across in Psalm 107 when he repeats a verse four times within that chapter? He says in Psalm 107, verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, and verse 28. It says, they cried out into the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them of their distresses. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them of their distresses. They cried out unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them of their distresses. Do we cry out to the Lord in our trouble so that he can deliver us from our distresses? Is that what we do? See, this is what God does. When we cry out to the Lord, when we're passionate in our plea to him, he delivers us from our distresses. He delivers those who seek after him. He does not deliver those who do not seek after him. But again, that's not the case with the runaway renegade prophet Jonah. He doesn't say a word. How can that be? How can it be? I mean, it's like you would think, that he would immediately be crying out to the Lord. See, my wife, whenever something looks like it's starting to happen, a car starts swerving in front of us, she's grabbing a dash, Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, nothing's happened yet. It's just she sees something that might be happening. It's Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord. I mean, she is immediately going to the Lord. It's like something looks like it could be happening. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, it's like she's immediately, she's in prayer mode instantly. Okay, now... If I was like seeing the opening of the mouth coming at me, I would be doing what my wife does. Oh Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus. Oh no, that's not the renegade prophet Jonah. He sees the mouth open. He goes in the mouth. He goes down the hatch. He's in the belly sloshing around in all the stomach acids and got seaweed wrapped around his head for an hour. He still says nothing. Two hours, nothing, sloshing around. Sloshing around for 12 hours. Sloshing around for 18 hours. Sloshing around for a day and a half. Sloshing around for two days. Sloshing around into the third day. Sloshing around, sloshing around, sloshing around. See, many of us will do the same thing. We get in way over our head. Massive debt credit card debt, loans, a marriage on the rocks, children out of control, an addiction that's taken us over, and we just sit there like Jonah and do nothing. We don't come in for counseling. We've got five pastors on staff here ready to help you in whatever you have a problem in. And we'll take you to the Scripture. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. We'll counsel you. But you just sit there like Jonah. Eh, it's going to work itself out. Is it? Really? Has it worked itself out yet? How long are you going to do exactly what Jonah does? Nothing. You're not on your face in prayer. You're not seeking counsel or help. You're just doing absolutely zip, zero, nothing except staying in your misery. Well, finally, some nuts are harder to crack than others. Finally... Jonah, after three days and three nights of sloshing around in the belly of the seaweed of this fish, could be described as the pit of misery in despair. With seaweed wrapped around his head and he's ready to die. He says, I was checking out. I was like taking my last breath. Jonah finally cries out to the Lord using terminology from the Psalms. If you look at Jonah's entire prayer, all of it is bits and pieces of like 10 different Psalms. Amazing, I never noticed that before. All the times I've read through the book of Jonah, I didn't realize that his prayer is bits and pieces from multiple Psalms. Like in Psalm 142, he says, I was fainting away. My spirit was overwhelmed within me. He's ready to die. Psalm 1810, the cords of death encompass me. Psalm 16, you can bring me up from the pit. Psalm 77, I will remember the Lord. Psalm 11, my prayer to you and your holy temple. And why did Jonah have this confidence in prayer, in his despair? Because the words of the Psalms were written upon his heart says in Psalm chapter 3, verse 7, Save me, oh my God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, you have my soul in your hand and no one can take it but you. His entire prayer is out of the book of Psalms. Yes, when Jonah was getting ready to die, when he was on his last breath, his heart embraced the Psalms that had soothed his soul in other times of his life. Yes, let's not be like Jonah that only embraced the Psalms when he was on his last breath. Let us embrace them now. Let us take advantage of them now in the here and now.
2: That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Poor Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.